five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. We're in the 21st century. Humans that aren't awake survive in a self-made penitentiary. If you're seeking truth, honesty, integrity, stay away from the polarity. There's only one place to turn to. You can't trust the singularity. I'll be that babe spreading higher consciousness, wisdom, because we ain't the one's test subject, and we ain't no damn victim. Wake up, humanity, before it's too late. If you sit where I'm sitting, we got a checkmate. Question everything, fairy rings, aliens, reptilians, arcturians, palladians, dragons, and even our own origins. Psychic babes, we empower humankind. Seek the truth, but don't seek through the mind. This is how we win, go within, stand together. Colors can't divide us, watch our differences unite us. Welcome to Psychic Babes. I am your host, Kirsten Sandifer. Today, I'm so excited to have Michael Mayo on. He is an internationally trained medium, astrologer, and spiritual teacher. Having developed his mediumship in the United Kingdom under mediums such as Gordon Smith, Eileen Davies, he brings a practical, grounded, and really an evidential style approach to his spiritual work. With his passion for teaching and helping others, he discover their own unique spiritual connections. He's really taught and studied in the U.S., Europe, and Australia. And he provides a safe, positive, and supportive environment for each person that comes to his mediumship development circles, both small and large. And throughout his 15 years of working with the spirit world, he has demonstrated his ability to connect with departed loved ones in both public demonstrations and by private sittings. So bringing messages of love and hope from the spirit world. And his mission is to show that we, like love, are eternal. So welcome. Hi, Kirsten. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm super excited about this. Um, so, well, let's just jump into it. Um, what got you started? I know your mother was an astrologer. and yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So um, with regards to sort of just like diving into the sort of my spiritual journey, my mom was an astrologer, so I always kind of grew up with astrology around. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think from a very young age, I've always had this sort of like spiritual bent to me. I mean, I remember being like, be, like one of my first memories is literally remembering like, I want to know God, like, and I remember wanting to like watch I'm like, what are the 10 commandments? Like, I wanted to like, have this like search for God, like just from a young age. And that kind of like led me into different religions and different, you know, exploring my spirituality. Um, and so, you know, it was helpful to have a mom who was kind of open to bringing some other things. Um, to the table. But really what kind of started me um, down this path is uh, an experience I had. I, I was in massage school. And while I was in massage school, someone had brought, um, one of the teachers brought crystals and Oracle cards. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, <laughs> what is this? Like, this is so cool. So um, I Googled a place nearby that had that. It was like a metaphysical bookstore um, near me. And I met the owner and the owner's like, oh, there's this mediumship demonstration tonight. You should come. Um, and just check it out. I was like, what's that? Like, I wasn't fully familiar. I'd like maybe seen like maybe it's Sylvia Brown or John Edwards, like on TV or something like that. But like, I didn't really get it. And uh, I went in and I was sitting, I was like, this guy's never going to come to me because I don't really have anyone who's died. Um, and he came to me and he said, are you aware you're very psychic? And I said, yes, only because I'd had dreams that had come true, but I didn't fully know what he meant. Uh, and then he said to me, you know, you're a medium, you need to start developing. And one day you'll be doing what I'm doing. 
And I was like, what? Because, you know, in a mediumship demonstration, it's like, you know, 90 people in a room. And he like pointed to me and I was just blown away. I had no idea. So then I went to my first development circle. And in my first development circle, I got names, dates, relationships, all kinds of crazy, specific things. And so I thought to myself, oh, this guy's right. So then I kept the next time I went to the development circle, I got absolutely nothing. And the next time after that, absolutely nothing. And then nothing. And then nothing. And that began my journey of development like 15 years ago. So how long did it take you? Because I know for me with my psychic stuff, kind of I had a similar um, thing. And then I was blocked for a while. I was like, like I was so specific and then I got blocked and it took like a good two years for me. So how long was it for you? Well, so what the reason that we get blocked isn't because some magical thing is happening to us. It's actually because what I learned obviously now is that it's, it's because we have an expectation and we're putting pressure on ourselves. And so because the reason it worked so well that first time was because I didn't know what I was doing. I had no expectation. I had no desire for an outcome. I was not distracted by anything. I just, someone said I could do this. I paid attention to what I was getting and I gave it right. And then it was right. Whereas once you have that under your belt one time, now you're comparing things to the last time. Oh, it's supposed to feel the same way. I'm supposed to get this. Now there's something that I'm trying to do versus just being passive and neutral, And so that creates tension in your mediumship or your psychic awareness, because now there's efforting. Mediumship requires passivity, receptivity, which is the opposite of like the way we do everything else. We've got to get out of our own way. (laughs) Exactly. And so had I had me as a teacher back then, I probably would have said to myself, hey, you're just trying too hard. Like just relax into it and let's cultivate your ability to um, surrender so that we can get back into that. So what is your practice for when you're doing a mediumship reading? And um, how does it differ from really like doing a psychic reading? Yeah. So these are two very different things. Yeah. So um, mediumship is specifically connecting to departed loved ones. And then a psychic reading can be about reading the energy of things. So you're reading the energy of the individual, like a person sitting in front of you. You're in the, in, in that energy, you can become aware of past, present, and future sort of in, instances. Um, you can also read the energy of objects. You can read the energy of a space, a room. So that's more of like the psychic faculty. Does that make sense? So um, for me, you know, we use the same like Claire's, if I'm sure you know of the Claire's, clairvoyance, clairaudience, yeah. sentience, claircognizance. We use the same skill set. We just focus it in two different areas. When we're when we're focusing in on you know a psychic thing, we're we're connecting with the energy that is present here, mm-hmm. right? And we're reading the energy that is accumulated within that because everything has energy in it. Um, when we're connecting to a spirit loved one, we're actually working with something we call the power. So we become sensitive and then we wait for the inspiration to come. So um, if for anyone who has like a Christian background, you would remember that, you know, they talk about in the Bible, something about, you know, the Holy Spirit descending upon them like a dove. And then they created miracles and they spoke in tongues and they healed people and they prophesied. It's literally the same concept where there's the power that comes upon you once you become sensitive, you open your awareness. And so like, as you open and raise, you know, they often say raise your vibration, but I like to think of it more as expand your awareness. <laughs> then you're able to sense and feel the presence of spirit. Um, and the power precedes whatever phenomena we're going to experience. So you'll usually feel an actual atmospheric change 
right before the spirit steps forward. And so that's the power. We wait for that. And then once we know that that's there, then we can go, okay, who's here? And then we get a sense of a thickening in the atmosphere or pressure or chills or something that's telling me, okay, there's a spirit person here. We relax into that. And then we let the power, which has intelligence in it and the information in it, move through us. And we just pass the information along. Now, I've noticed for myself, um, I can't, if I ground myself, I'm not able to, I'm, I'm not able to get anything from the dead. So when I don't, is that, does that, is that similar for you as well? Like you don't ground yourself, you connect to the the, the star chakra um, instead? Is that um, something you do? No. So actually I find that um, it doesn't make a difference. So, oh. and I, and I say that only because you know, I think we should always be kind of grounded in this experience. That being said, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're kind of, you're here, but you're also there. So you're actually just increasing more of your awareness. I don't actually use too much of chakras in my way of teaching things because I like to think of things and energy as a whole versus individualized. And also when we use chakras um, for mediumship specifically, that we have like conscious thoughts attached to their meaning, which can then invite our thinking mind into the process. Does that make sense? Like if I were to say to you, like, where do you, you know, connect to, you know, speaking your truth, you're immediately going to go to the throat, right? Or where do you connect to your intuition? You're going to might, you might go to the third eye. Well, we want to think of actually, we can actually hear things in our stomach. We can actually feel things, you know, through a vision, right? Like it can work in all kinds of different ways. So for me, as far as like that sense of, you know, being grounded and then also it's just, for me, it's about just moving your awareness to a a different state. So we're quieting our mind, we're becoming sensitive, which is that expansive state. And then we allow presence to come in. So whether I do like a grounding exercise or something, it doesn't actually matter. The key point is, is that I have to move my awareness to this other state, this higher. You kind of expand your aura um, kind of infinity kind of thing. Okay. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I try not to even move it that far because like, (laughs) what does that even mean? Right. Um, I tend to go just like kind of just around me, right. Like just kind of around like your arm's length, right? And then you're just like the little nerve ending and you're waiting. You're waiting for something to shift and come into your energy. Now, um, I have this theory and I did for a while until I started getting um, messages from the dead. And then I I kind of was thinking, well, now I don't know, but I still yeah. was confused. So my theory is that, and I want to hear your opinion on it, is sure. that are we actually connecting to the dead or are we connecting to the conscious collective memory of that person that has died? Right. So um, what I would say is that both can be true. So if you're working psychically, mm-hmm. you can absolutely, I think then you're connecting to the conscious collective memory of it. So like if I wanted to, I could literally read you from a psychic perspective, go into your family tree and go, okay, you have this person, this person's dead, this person's living, and just tell you all about that person. This was their personality. This was their characteristic. But as a medium and a developed medium, I know I don't have spirit presence here with me, Mm -hmm. right? So I know I'm getting that information through your energy, through your memory, through the memory of this person. That's a very different experience to when presence is here with you, when you can feel this presence that is literally changing the atmosphere, giving you chills, putting pressure on your body. Like it's exactly, it's a very physical experience. 
And so when I have a presence there, I know I get all my information from that person, not here. And I can feel if my attention differs, if I, you know, I'm giving a message from a spirit person and then it starts to shift and I start taking my attention to you. I, I can feel that difference because I stop feeling this, that the spirit right. presence. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. What is it? What is, what does the energy difference feel like? I mean, I know you said like the tap on the shoulder, but is it more dense? Is it more diffuse? Is it more than, than psychic energy? Yeah. So um, again, we're still using the same faculty system, right? So clairvoyance, clairsentience, clairaudience, claircognizance, but it feels different in that you have the power present there with you. Right. So that's that thickening, that changing in the atmosphere. That's that pressure in the presence of someone being right there. So that's that's how I would differentiate the two. Whereas when I'm working psychically, it's more number one visual for me. And also um, there's this sort of sense of like I'm looking at energy rather than feeling the presence of someone there. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like, yeah. let's say, let's say I jumped into, you know, your energy and I was looking at who is in your life and in your immediate family and stuff like that. I might see little balls of energy, but I'm just, those are just visual representations of like what's, what's in your aura, right? Your, your energy. So that's very, that's a very different thing. Okay. So what, what are our spirits doing on the other side? Like, why is it that sometimes people are able to connect and sometimes they're not? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's going to just vary. Um, there's going to be all kinds of answers to that question. So, um, but what I would say is that it oftentimes has less to do with, um, well, let me, let me ask you one more question just for clarification. When you say, why is it that sometimes we can connect? Are you referring to the medium connecting or a sitter? Yeah. The medium connecting, like um, I, I've, I've spoken with many mediums before and I have colleagues who do mediumship and, um, one lady who she literally won't connect with somebody until they've been six months that they've passed on. Yeah. And um, she never really explained to me why, but um, she said that it would be difficult to get the connection. So I was curious, you know, but... yeah, so that's not my experience. Um, uh-huh. I, I've been able to connect with people, you know, a few days after their death, right. Uh-huh. I've been able to connect with people right away. And actually sometimes that's even stronger, which is kind of weird. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I personally think that's just more of a belief system, right. And our beliefs play a huge role in what we're capable of. So is there, is there inconsistency in mediumship, meaning that sometimes you can connect and sometimes you can't? Yes, I do believe that that is a thing. But what I would say is that, um, that inconsistency isn't on part of the spirit. It's on the part of the medium and their ability to move out of the way and be receptive. Does that okay. make sense? So, so what, yeah. so what if, um, you know, spirit decides that they're going to reincarnate, are you still able to access them um, in the spirit realm? Yeah. So with this concept, like that's, it, it's tricky to explain um, from, I'll just give you my perspective on it. Um, it's tricky to explain because we live in a linear time frame. We live in this world where there's time and it goes this direction in the spirit world, there is no time. So actually, it's a misnomer to say reincarnation. It's better to probably say concurrent lives because everything's happening all at once simultaneously. Does that and make we're sense? We're multidimensional beings. Yeah. Okay. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, then, so I guess the, this question, um, 
when, what happens do you think when people like commit suicide? Um, why is it that they, um, they maybe aren't as accessible or aren't, um, you know, sometimes aren't, aren't as accessible? That's not been my experience. Um, for me, I've been, I've had plenty of, of, you know, people who've come forward who were, uh, who committed suicide. I don't believe that that has any impact on someone's ability to connect. I don't believe that it has any impact on, on anything at all, really. Um, how someone chooses to leave the world isn't ever punished on the other mm-hmm. side. There's nothing that's done to people to, you know, a right and wrong way to leave. People just do, right? And I think it's better to think of that less as, you know, we, suicide is hard for us because we're the ones left behind. So we put this kind of stigma and thing on it because we're the ones that are hurt and we're left. But we also have to recognize that people that actually end up going through that, they're in some way relieving their own suffering. They're choosing to end their suffering, right? So I think we need to kind of change our mindset. Obviously, we want to help people not commit suicide, right? Because we want people to be happy and and not feel the need for that and their suffering. But I will say there, this is a play. We're in a play. This isn't reality, right? So everyone's just playing different roles. But when we leave that body, we leave behind the pain, we leave behind the suffering, we move into this higher state of what we actually are, which is this eternal being that at its core is love. So, you know, I'm glad you asked that because I love clarifying this idea that there's something different when someone passes in this way. Everyone's going to leave here. How you leave is just going to vary. It's a neutral thing. Well, there's there's some people who have theories that they have to go undergo this relearning process, I guess, or um, but I guess that would be more relational to when somebody dies unexpectedly, um, you know, like a car accident that's very quick um, because some of them, right, they don't know that they've passed away. Is, it, is that your experience? Also not my experience. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. so glad you're bringing all of these things <laughs> up cool. so I can, yeah. <laughs> I can add, I can add, you know, a different perspective okay. to the mix. So as far as, you know, that, I think we have to recognize that again, there is no time on the other side. So while we may experience time going by, when you leave this physical life, it just happens. We are then back into a heightened state of awareness where we have so much more um, awareness of the pain and things that we've caused in life, right? The good things that we've done in life because of that life review that we know happens as soon as you pass. Mm -hmm. We also are um, freed from any kind of confusion because we have to remember that like, because I should also throw this in here. I don't believe in stuck spirits or earthbound spirits. Okay. Important to throw that in there. Um, Because why, like number one, why would we as lonely humans need to direct the infinite like divine guidance on how to get a spirit to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. Also, we have spirit guides. What are they doing? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, what are they doing if they're not going, Hey, it's time to come over here. So for me, the shock, the, the confusion, that is us. That's us that we're putting on them. So I don't believe that they have that. Um, I do believe though, that, you know, at times, you know, possibly in their experience on that journey, they may have a moment of like, oh, you know, I was just there and now I'm here. That's kind of weird. But 
I don't get, I don't feel like that lasts too long. Like I obviously, again, it's hard to talk about it without time. Um, but I don't feel like that would last very long. And, you know, we wouldn't want to use like the movie ghost as a reference, right? right? Like here's the light. And he goes, no, I'm not going to it. Like, I just don't think that that's what happens. It's just not been my experience. I've never had. I haven't experienced that either. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them to help them to the light or anything like that. Right. And I think that's just, you know, that's people's humanizing the experience in some way, like making it about people versus what actually just occurs. Right. Mm-hmm. So what is your theory on hauntings um, and things like that? Um, yeah. What do you think happens there? Yeah. So uh, a couple of things I would preface this with. So number one, uh, I believe that, you know, we impact our space around us. We impact energy. Um, how do we impact it? Through emotions, through feelings. That is an energy that we generate and we put into the space. Right. And so, you know, you walk into a room after someone has had a fight, you can yeah. feel, right? You're like, they're not, they're acting normal, but like you can feel the shift, right? So there's a residue that builds up. Likewise, if we look at, you know, a sacred holy place, like some sort of place where people have come there for years and years with reverence, with, with sense of peace, of stillness, you can feel that in the atmosphere, right? So what we recognize is that our atmosphere, our energy of the space, it's it's not just neutral. It's 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 a substance, right? That gets impacted or stained, if you will, right? And it happens through strong emotion or repeated emotion. And so when we see things like hauntings, rarely, rarely, rarely is there consciousness attached to the haunting. 90, I would, I mean, I have no real statistic, but like, if I were to say, I would say like 98% of the time, like those kinds of experiences are more of what I would describe like a stain in that space. So something traumatic happened there. Cause almost always hauntings are something traumatic happened here. And, and now that's exactly. So I like to think of it more like a hologram that gets tripped up by sensitive people. So when they go into the space, um, they sort of trip that sort of hologram that sort of plays out that traumatic or that dramatic uh, episode that is stained in the atmosphere. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's almost, it's rarely consciousness. Now in the instances where I have seen that it is consciousness attached, it's usually not a person that is like kind of haunting the space, but more they're usually connected to someone in the space who's living there. So it's a loved one or it's someone that's trying to get attention because there's something that they're trying to give. An example I've heard is um, when, you know, there was this uh, family who was getting all of these loud raps and taps and all of these sorts of things. And they were, you know, kind of freaking out about it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they had the medium come and the medium was like, oh, there is a person here. It's, you know, this loved one, right? And the reason that they're coming forward is that they're saying that there is drugs that one of the kids was getting into. And they literally pointed the medium to where the drugs were hidden and then everything stopped. So there was a reason that they were trying to kind of help them, right? We see hauntings as, oh my God, it's scary. It's demons. It's, yeah, all these it's, like, it's just not. <laughs> and, and so I think if we can kind of reshape our perspective on, on, on these things, um, it will remove a lot of fear that I think people have around. And that's really one of my biggest missions. 
I do. I do have kind of a specific question to one of my experiences yeah. that happened to me um, in college um, when I was first really, um, you know, really jumping into this. Mind you, I've had experience since I was four years old. I had my first premonition and things. So that I wasn't raised in a family where this was accepted. Okay, uh, it's very much Catholic guilt, you know. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah so um, I ignored it for a lifetime, and it was very difficult because I would get things and I would just have to dismiss them. Okay, no, I can't listen to that. Right. And, um, but so I was um, spiritually attacked. I stopped breathing. Actually, had to go to the hospital, and right before that, I was seeing something this black mist type of thing coming at me and I not prone to, I don't have hallucinations. I do, you know what I mean? I'm not on drugs. Like, so there was no kind of other frame of reference. And even the the doctor, when I was in the hospital, they had to intubate me. My dad um, started CPR um, said, there's, we have no idea what happened. What do you think in that instance happened? Yeah. Um, can you give me just a little bit more of what that experience was leading up to the moment? Sure. Um, my, my Oma, um, had just died. My, my grandmother who, um, pretty much raised us because both my parents work, my raised my brother and myself, she had just died. And, um, I was taking a class called parapsychology at TCU and, um, we had to go to like spend the night at a haunted house and, um, you know, we did that and it was, I mean, a couple of things happened, but n- nothing really like nothing really crazy. Some things that can't be explained, but, um, <clears throat> um, so it was a couple of days after that I had written up my um, report and submitted it in my, um, you know, for my final. And, um, I was literally at my apartment and out of the corner of my eye, um, and it's weird. It's always out of the corner of your eye when you see spirits the first time, um, I saw something like a tracer kind of, and I was like, what was that? Then something jumped on my chest. Um, I felt pressure on my chest and I jumped up and I was out of that apartment. I was in my pajamas. I didn't care. I got the car keys and was like, I, the only thing I could think is I'm going to my parents and I'm doing all these checks, like, because I studied psychology. So you know, I'm like, okay, maybe blood sugar's low. I need to eat. Like I just hallucinated that. No, no. Okay. No. And I'm going back through. So I stopped at like Whataburger. I don't even eat meat, but like stopped there. Like maybe I just, it's a blood sugar thing and uh, to get food and like, and I was just kept having this feeling like something is, is after me. And I got to my parents' house and um, my mom was out of town, but my dad was like, you look pale as a ghost. And I was like, uh, funny you say that, you know, I was like, I'm not sure what's happening. I mean, I was very serious. I was crying obviously, but um, I, I said, I need your help. So I, I said, I'm terrified. Something is like after me. And he was like, well, he didn't understand what I meant. Um, and I was trying to share it with him and he's like, here's some that stuff, you know, and he, he was very much, um, he almost became a Catholic priest. So he was very much into that. And he was like, it's that stuff terrified him. Like he can't watch the exorcist that terrifies him. So, you know, he was like, no, this can't be just lay down. Like everything. So I'm laying next to him and he's reading this book and I'm trying to close. He's like, just close your eyes and go to sleep. And I was like, okay. So I'm trying to like meditate, you know, close my eyes. And then like something, like I feel something like a pressure at my feet and I see this black mist start to come closer and closer. And I think dad, dad, dad. And then it would go back into the floorboards. And this happened probably like 20 times before my dad was like, Garrison, there's nothing there. And um, so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to bother him anymore. And I guess I'll just see whatever happens happens. And next thing I woke up in the hospital and he told me he had to give me CPR. Right. So 
I want to highlight some really important things in this story just to offer you an alternative perspective. Yes, um, just because, you know, you have some hallmark things that make me go, okay, let's let's unpack this. So number one, let me ask you, your belief system at that time, did it have fear of spirits and fear of kind of what they could do? No. No. Okay. no so no. perfect. So then as we are looking at this, it's basically priming um, this idea of something can happen, right? And so immediately this whole story starts off with fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so the example that I always give people when I'm talking about evil spirits, hauntings, possessions, that sort of thing, is we learn how to, as mediums, when we're developing, how to be neutral about a stimulus. And I think you said you did psychology, right? So you're, you understand the whole idea of like stimulus is impacting me, et cetera. So we want to learn to come at things with a neutral stimulus. The thing that makes us fearful is the unknown, the not understanding it. And so I always give this example. So um, when we are having an experience of something that is an unknown nature and we have maybe a fear-based belief or there's some sort of uncertainty around it, right? Where fear can get involved. If I am a non-fear-based medium, I'm just neutral about everything. I'm sitting here, I open, I'm connecting with spirit or whatever. I feel a pressure on my throat, right? I'm going to just say to my client, okay, I feel a pressure on my throat. And so I know that this person, you know, had some sort of issue with breathing in their life and then it goes away. Mm -hmm. If I have anything that may be lingering, even if we're not fully conscious of it, of fear of the spirit world or of the unknown, I feel a pressure on my throat. Immediately, my brain's going to go, something's wrong or, oh my God, there's is some sort of something's choking me, right? Or I'm feeling an intensity that's on my throat. Then what will happen is that then our you know, nervous system starts to react. So now my hands are sweating. My breathing is changing. I'm in a panic. Now my chest feels like there's a heaviness on it. I'm now being psychically attacked because or at least I'm interpreting it that way, because now I'm having all of these biological experiences that are now following this fearful thing that I'm not understanding. And so as you were describing this, it sounds like there was fear right off the bat that there was something that was going there wasn't on before. I was never afraid of anything with spirits and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I, you know, this is like well after I had my experience when I was four, when I had the premonition. So I was kind of on my own and I was starting to, you know, integrate these things into my life. And sure. so I never from a fear, fear based at all um, point of view, sure. but, well, but so let, me, just, no. let me back you up there. When you talked about you bolted out of the house, where did that come from? Um, it was whatever I felt on my chest. Like I felt that very real. It was out of nowhere. Cause I was fine. I was just hanging out, you know, in my apartment that, and that, that boom was like, ah. I, I want to go Bye. Absolutely. So perfect. So that's where the fear starts. The fear didn't start because of a belief system. The fear started because you felt something so obvious and clear mm -hmm. that was like, you were not expecting, you were not looking for, but the spirit world can be very obvious, very clear. I am not clear saying no. Okay. Yeah. And so then as soon as I start to feel that, oh my God, what the hell? I've never experienced something like that. And then it creates the fear and that starts everything. Wow. And now from everything that happens after that, 
And maybe you are still experiencing more things happening, right? But everything that you experience after that now feeds into that. And so you're already in that fearful place. And you can change your chemistry to actually do things like that to shut off, you know, because it's too much. It's an overload, systemic overload on your body. Absolutely. So that makes complete sense to me now that like, oh, had I just, I was probably a spirit reaching out and had I yeah. just stopped and gone, oh, okay, what is this? And exactly. And, it would have been a different outcome. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Thank you for that. Like you don't understand. This is something that's like for years I've wondered like, what was that all about? And like now it's finally ding. So super helpful. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that because Mm -hmm. that's honestly my goal is, is to always help people like delete any fear from the spirit world, because there's literally nothing to fear from the spirit world. In fact, the opposite is true. The more that we connect to the spirit world, the more we recognize that they bring forward love, peace, compassion, you know, harmony. Mm -hmm. Those are the conditions in which the spirit world works the best and also leave within us when they've come. I've never felt exhausted from a reading. I've never felt like, you know, like they've ever taken more. They've always felt they've left me with more. So when we can learn to live in that sense of um, moving with the power, moving with the spirit, um, we can really reside in that sense of love and that that refilling, really, that the spirit world brings with them. Um, I want to ask you, kind of, when when you're connecting, you do, do you just kind of sit quietly and allow the person to come in, or do you use your guides to help be a gatekeeper, or how do you do that? Yeah, so um. I believe that my guides are helping me in anything that I do spiritually. I just may not consciously be aware of them. So I always think they're kind of like somewhere in the background and they're kind of organizing things for me. Um, But what I do is when I'm number one, I, I really um, emphasize this practice called sitting in the power. Have you ever heard of this practice? Okay, great. So I really emphasize that because it teaches us how to become passive and receptive. It teaches us how to sense and feel energy. It also gives the spirit world opportunity to develop us. I'm a strong believer that you can take all the classes you want, but it's about sitting and letting the spirit world unfold your gifts. That's really what we want to do. So it's this quiet time that we just commune with them. And then also it helps to fill our spiritual backpack or our energy. Uh, It's like our little spiritual backpack that we use when we go to connect with the spirit world, right? So when you sit in the power enough, you will start to become more aware of the spirit world. And it starts to become more um, obvious through a sense of feeling, okay? So Mm -hmm. what I do when I'm going to do that, I start with this process we call attunement, which is just the process it takes for me to go from my normal thinking brain into a sensitive state. So I'll quiet my mind. I'll begin to just breathe and focus on my breath and let myself start to become quite passive. And then I wait for the feeling of this expansion that begins from within my inner being, my core of myself. And it's not something I imagine. I literally just intend that when it's ready, I'll feel that sensation. And then I do. So I wait for the sensation that ex- of this expansion. And then it starts to move beyond my body out into the atmosphere so that the atmosphere starts to feel like an extension of me. Okay. So this is the process that happens to me. I just have to intend it at the beginning. The way that you get your energy to open is by be- relaxing, by surrendering, by letting go. So my energy opens up, right? And then I say, okay, when I can feel that I'm in that right headspace, I'll just go, okay, spirit, who's here? Who'd like to come forward? And then what I'm doing is because I know what my energy feels like 
when it was just me, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a change in the energy. Mm-hmm. So I start to feel a pressure or a thickening or something coming into the energy. And then how I am changed and inspired by this shift of this other pressure coming in, that's the information I start with. So I might start to feel like a, a thickness, a denseness, and then I may start to feel inspired, like, oh, I'm feeling very much bigger, or I'm feeling taller, I feel masculine, I feel like I'm outgoing or rugged, right? And that begins the journey of a communication. Now, how did you, because I know with my psychic gifts, I basically had like a journal because I wanted to be very accurate with things. And I know you do evidentiary-based mediumship, which is similar to that kind of principle. And so I had like a journal, okay, this means this, so that when I talk to spirit, I know when they put up a, you know, a stoplight, you know, with the red, that means immediately stop, not, you know, I I don't know, something else, but, you know, we literally have, I have like many journals of all these different symbols, because I've gotten them wrong before. It's never that, you know, it was, it was really something, I just misinterpreted it wrong. Not that I'm getting the wrong information, but that I misinterpreted it wrong. So how do you avoid that um, in your work? Yeah, absolutely. I love that question. Um, You're asking me all the good ones today. I appreciate it. Um, So with, with that, this is why I'm not one who really teaches the use of symbols. Now, symbols can be really helpful in psychic reading. Absolutely. But what we always have to recognize is like a baseball, for example, can mean one thing in one reading and something totally different in the next reading. So what we want to do is recognize that, sure, we may have something that gives us a theme or something, maybe with a baseball or maybe a color or something like that. There's a theme there. But what we always do is we pay attention to what arises next and how it applies in this moment. So we never just jump and say, okay, because there's a baseball here, this means he would play baseball right? We go, okay, I'm being made of aware. I'm being, I'm seeing a baseball. And as I see that, I start to become aware of what, what is behind that? What's the next stimulus that comes that gives context to this symbol. And it's from that point that I may become aware, oh, this is a person who loved to watch sports because I can feel that within me. Or maybe I see a TV next to it, right? Or we go, here's the baseball. Oh, this is a person who was a pitcher because I can feel like a ball is hitting my hand. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, here's a baseball. Oh, I know this person just loves sports in general because I see the baseball and now I see all these other symbols, right? So we don't just take one symbol and decide that it means this one thing. We take it as an experience. So as I experience this one thing, it leads me in one direction. And then I let the next stimulus come that's going to give it context. So I know how it applies in this instance. Okay. Does that make and sense? Then, yeah, absolutely. So that, that's why sometimes the person doesn't always get, you know, results on the person they want to come forward. It's kind of who chooses to come forward. And then you're conveying that information. Right. And and that's the thing is you can't always control who comes forward. Usually your loved ones will come forward, um, you know, when they're supposed to, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but most times they do. One thing I will say, though, is that, you know, sometimes it's not the right time right? Sometimes it's not the moment for that connection, that communication. So if you haven't had that experience of hearing from that loved one, there may be a reason. So trust in the divine timing of the spirit world, because I bet you anything, when they actually do show up, it's going to be just the way that you needed them to show up so that you believed it, right? So kind of trust in in that. One other thing I would say, just for those people who are developing their mediumship, um, learning to describe your experience versus interpret your experience will give you more accuracy in your readings. So rather than me saying, 
this is a baseball. Then now I have to figure out what this baseball means. It's I'm aware of a baseball. And now what's the next stimulus? I'm aware of, uh, you know, a TV set. What's the next? And, not try, to interpret it. and not try to interpret it. Cause it's not about you understanding it. It's about your sitter and your recipient understanding how it fits. So take that pressure off of yourself that you have to be the one. So describe your experience, narrate your experience, and then don't worry so much about it having to like be packaged perfectly. How did you get comfortable from moving um, into, you know, doing professional readings? Like, I suppose you're probably just doing this, you know, on the side for a little while with friends and then <laughs> you thought, okay, I'm going to get at this. Like, I'll. so when, when did you get that comfortability? Cause I had that with my psychic abilities, but not at all yet with my mediumship. Sure. Yeah. So one of the big things that I think is really important that we often lose um, kind of in America and actually just in general these days is people really are in a rush to get out there and be like, I'm a this, you know, they want to hang out their shingle and they want to like say, I do this thing now. Um, and I'm a big believer in patience and time when it comes to your development. And I sat in a circle for years, a development circle for years and years before I ever worked with the public. So by the time I was going to work with the public, I knew what I could do. I knew that I was consistent. I knew that I was, you know, good at it at that point, because I never wanted to misrepresent the spirit. And also taking into consideration the, the level of gravity yes. that you're dealing with when in the responsibility, when you're connecting with someone who's in grief. Right? Absolutely. That's my, I think that is my biggest thing that holds me back. Um, you know, because I'm even, or I've got messages before for loved ones and I'm just like, no, I, I can't, I don't want to say, anything. I, you know, it, because I don't, I don't know how it's going to affect them or if they exactly. you know, would be open to it. So, exactly. well, and I think too, it's smart not to give it because just because you become aware of something as a sensitive doesn't mean you have to give it. And I believe that people need to provide consent, just like everything else in life. They need to provide consent. This is what we move in more into like the ethical aspect of mediumship that we don't just go around at the dentist and go, I got your mother here. Like we're not doing that because that's not ethical. Right. And like, it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't meet you and just start going through your purse and start, you know, looking at all your stuff. Right. Like he's that example about going through like my boyfriend's cell phone too, is he's like, would you just read people? And I'm like, no, like, exactly. A hundred percent. And so that's, that's also part of it. It's like, let people come to you when they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, now I've, I've kind of switching gears on, um, what do you think actually kind of happens? What's the process when we die? Do you have any into that? Yeah. So, um, the closest thing that I can give you is one, a mixture of what we know from near death experiences. Um, and then also from what I've just experienced from spirit when they've talked about that process, Oftentimes we are met by loved ones um, when we cross over. In fact, you'll you'll hear people often talk about deathbed visions and things like that um, when they pass. But you know, obviously, not everyone passes when they're old and slowly, you know, fading away. Um, others have described, um, you know, a sense of being outside of the body. So I do believe that that we we exit our body. I don't know if you've ever had an out of body experience, but yeah. I know I have, and it's a wild experience. You're like, I'm Just completely aware, <laughs> I'm completely coherent. I feel like me. I can reason perfectly, and yet I'm not in my body. And it's amazing. It's hard to describe it to people until they've experienced it, right? So I do know that it, we we disconnect from the body. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we may have an awareness for a time of what's happening around us. But then we start to get that pulling feeling. And if you've had an out-of-body experience, you know what I'm talking about. It's this sort of almost like a homing beacon or something. Like it's pulling you. Drawing you home kind of thing. Drawing you home, exactly. And then oftentimes people see a white light. Um, but we get through, it's almost like you're moving through the layers of awareness, layers of existence. And then oftentimes we're met by, if it's not a loved one or a guide or something that uh, we feel. And then we often feel a great sense of love, a great sense of peace, a great sense of belonging. And most people who've ever had near-death experiences, they never want to come back. They're like, no, the only reason they come back is because like I thought of my kids and I didn't want to leave them. Right. Um, and so, you know, and I also think sometimes it's not your time too, especially with near-death. I know my grandmother talked to me about experience she had where you know she had open heart surgery and she left her body she saw all of her family who had died they were all sitting there with their hands over their mouths like kind of shifting and they just pointed back and she's trying to talk to them and they won't talk back they just point back down and and then she she goes back into her body because they were like basically saying it's not your time yet right so you know when it is our time i think we actually are met by our loved ones and then they take us home to the other side and we are able to um, kind of merge back with that. Now, oftentimes people talk about the life review. I'm sure that's somewhere along that continuum where you really get to feel and experience what this life was, learn the lessons from it. And then I believe after that, we move into multiple spaces. So some people are going to go more into this sort of like heaven-like um, space for some time. Other people are going to kind of merge into this other experience. So it's at that point that I start to lose knowing exactly what it is. But what I do know is that there's this transition time period. And then we are in this place of wholeness, really a place of healed and understanding and perspective. And then spirit chooses to come back, not necessarily for them, but for us, right? Because we're, as my teacher, Gordon Smith always says, death is for the living, we're the ones that deal with death, not them. They're great. They're doing just yeah. fine, right? Yeah. Um, so this whole business of going, some beings going to lower astral if they go in fear, do you think that's that's false? No, yeah, I don't believe in that. Okay. Yeah. So everybody kind of goes to the same place. And um, what in the life review, is it, do you think that right after that, then they kind of um, basically meet and decide whether they're going to come back here or ascend. You know. It's hard to say just because of the time thing. Like that's where, why it gets so confusing is like, is this an instant thing? Is this a process thing? Do they have an awareness of time? I think they do have some awareness of time um, over there just because of some of the things that they have brought in. But I, I also question, are they just saying it in those terms so that we can understand it because we're in time? So it kind of gets a little bit murky when we try to understand like what is the exact next step that happens because some of these things could be instant, right? right? And you can have this entire experience and it's like a, a second, a flash, you know? So it, it gets a little bit um, unclear. So yes, maybe people do. I, I won't say that I fully know, um, what I will say is that um, I think there are options. I think there are options for the soul. What does it need? And kind of lastly, um, jumping in here to what, when somebody's looking for um, a psychic medium to yeah. reach them, what should they really be looking for in your opinion? Yeah. So best, best thing you can do is one of two things. 
you can either see someone work like at a demonstration or something like that and make your decision off of actually seeing them work. Mm -hmm. And they should be able to provide evidence um, of of your communicator. Um, And I'll go off on what I mean by that. The second thing I would say is word of mouth. Like, so someone else has had a really positive experience and they're saying you should try this person because it was good. Because, you know, it is hard to find quality mediums um, that, you know, you're you're going to have really great experiences with. So um, this is why I, you know, created a school called the Oak Bridge Institute to train these mediums so that we have consistent high standard mediums um, that people that people work with. But what I would say to look for in a reading to make sure that you're getting getting it is someone that has a lot of experience. Granted, experience doesn't necessarily always mean quality, but that's at least going to help a little bit. If you can see kind of that they've really spent a lot of time in education and learning and all that sort of thing, that's a good way to go. Um, The other thing I would say is if anyone ever tells you that you're cursed or you have some sort of thing on you or that you have, you know, whatever (laughs) negative attachments and sort of things that are on you, leave immediately because that's not going to be beneficial to you. But in a good reading, a medium should not have to ask you any questions. So they should never have to say, you know, yeah, they don't really have to ask anything. They should be giving you the information. So all you should need to say is yes, no, I don't know, or I need more information. You shouldn't have to say anything else as a sitter. That's how you know you're with a good medium. And obviously you'd, they'd have to be giving, <laughs> giving you correct information, right? So that's that's a really good way to tell because otherwise what happens is sometimes people are accidentally cold reading people yes. because yes. they keep asking questions, right? So you want to be mindful of those kinds of things because I don't think they mean to. I think most people aren't trying to con people. I just think that they maybe didn't learn properly how to work with their That's day. one reason I don't do psychic readings over Zoom because I don't want to accidentally read a verbal, nonverbal cue and, you know, misinterpret that and be drawn off of what spirit's telling me. So I, I, I found the accuracy is much higher when I don't do it on Zoom. And some people don't like that. They want to do it in person or on Zoom, but I'm just like, yeah. and this is the way I do it because I find it's most effective. But Well, for do what works for you. And like, if you ever wanted to practice having that sort of Zoom sort of experience mm-hmm. and not get those subtle cues, then you would just do that in a development circle. And that's the way, that's where you practice to do that if you want to, but find the way that you work and just do that. Right. But I'm like you, like, I don't like to see people. It's, it's easier for me. If I, the less I know, the better the reading is going to be. And also, um, you know, for me, whenever I'm doing a reading, I do do them on zoom so they can see me and stuff, but I'm, my attention's over here. My attention's to the side. So I'm not even looking at the screen. I'll just look in for momentarily just to check in so that they feel connected. But essentially, I just kind of turn my attention away. Mm -hmm. And do you do you also communicate? You get communication with angels and ET beings and things like that or no? I don't because and and the reason is, um, number one, I believe that the way that I'm all about evidence, that's the number one thing. So if I can't prove it or show that it exists, then I'm not necessarily going to do that because then it becomes willy nilly. We could say anything. Do I necessarily know that that exists or not? I don't have an opinion on that. So, but I have to just work off of evidence, right? What can I prove? What can I show? Cause I tend to be a little bit more that sort of brain. I, I am too. So that makes yeah. a lot of sense for me. Yeah. 
Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on. This was so enlightening um, for me, and I know this will be for my listeners as well. We have a lot of people are more at the advanced level. Um, kind of most of my listeners are um, either practitioners or um, developing their abilities. So I know this will be really helpful. And um, I just for everybody, I will put in in the notes description of where to get a hold of um, Michael and where how you can um, book a reading with him. And you also do trainings. Um, as well at the workshops weekly workshops mentoring you know all these things so yep so yeah I will put all those um, links in the description and yeah just thanks so much again and um, I'm looking forward to having a reading with you soon so awesome I love it thanks Kirsten I appreciate it okay